Blog Talk Radio. Talking sports and having fun doing it with all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, the number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show, slash pecan. That's slash pecan. Send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItCan. And while you're there, on Twitter, at Go4Kent. Give me a follow, at Go4Kent. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Denver Broncos linebacker, Lorente McCray. Lorente is going to give us his thoughts, his take on the Broncos' big victory against the Patriots. Also his thoughts and his take on what could and may happen in the Super Bowl. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us. Also, one of the stars, of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and The Have-Nots. Actor John Chafin will be joining us. And one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, the Tony Braxton story, Greg Davis Jr. will be joining us. Greg, he played uh, Ali Reed in that particular movie on Lifetime. The movie did some great ratings. A lot of people watched. Highest rated uh, movie debut in Lifetime, on Lifetime, in over a year. So a lot of people listened, watched, I should say, and hopefully a lot of people listen tonight as we talk to John, uh, to Craig Davis Jr., one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, the Tony Braxton story. So we got a big jam-packed show lined up for you today. Should be a lot of fun, and let's get right down to it. And as we go throughout the course of these two hours, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. You know, I can't give you my prediction yet. You might have an idea where I'm leaning. But I can't give you my prediction just yet. But we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50, Santa Clara. We're going to talk about that. Cam Newton, the polarizing figure they call Cam Newton. Also, the NBA All-Star game. Who got in, who shouldn't have got in, so on and so forth. And then we'll just go around the league, talk about some of the great things going on in the National Basketball Association. So, and LeBron James, coach killer or not? We'll talk about it. But let's get right down to it, and let's talk about what we saw last Sunday. Last Sunday, we saw, you know, first game was close, last game was a blowout. If you were the East Coast, you pretty much was snowed in last week. Did the what? We got about, I got about like 27, almost 30 inches last week. So a lot of snow, I was snowed in. But we being snowed in on a Sunday wasn't a bad thing. You got the Broncos and, 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 and Patriots at 3 o'clock, and they had at 6 30, the Cardinals, and the Panthers. Not very close, that Cardinals-Panthers game, but you had it. And, and let's talk about what we saw. First off, let's go to Cardinals and Panthers. I mean, you saw the dominance of Cam Newton. You saw the dominance of that defense. And you saw a, a, a Carson Palmer who came up pretty small. You know, Carson Palmer, heck of a year uh, last, or this year, I should say. Carson Palmer, 
had an MVP caliber season for the Arizona Cardinals, no doubt about it. He had a great season. But when they needed him the most, and, and he struggled in these playoffs. He struggled against the Green Bay Packers. He got through, but he struggled mightily. But they got through, fortunately, for him. I mean, you look at the Green Bay game, he threw two picks there, and then he threw four picks against Carolina. So he threw six picks in two games. Six picks in two games is not winning football. Six picks in two games is going to get your team set home. Fortunately for you, you were able to come overcome those two picks in that first game, but you couldn't overcome those three, four picks in the next game. So you, you couldn't overcome Cam and, and the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are a better football team than the Green Bay Packers, as we've seen throughout the course of this season. And the Carolina Panthers, they're not going to let you get away with four turnovers. And, and, excuse me, and a fumble as well. So five turnovers for Carson Palmer. You can't win. That's not winning football. So I was a little disappointing, disappointed in, in how small Carson Palmer came up, he, he, how small he came up. He wasn't good. And, again, four interceptions is not good. Defensively, they were not good as well. But at the end of the day, five turnovers – you know what, six turnovers. You can't win in the National Football League when you turn the football over like that as much as you did. It's just, you know, when it gets to the playoffs, it's just too close. The teams are too close. The teams are too, too close for you to be turning the football over the way Arizona did on Sunday night. You can't do it. You can't turn the football over that many times. You can't have four interceptions and expect a happy ending. It doesn't work that way. Definitely doesn't work that way, especially when you have a high-flying, big-time offense in the Carolina Panthers, especially when you have Cam Newton, who's 35 touchdowns by the air and 10 touchdowns on the ground, it's big time. Can't do it. Can't win that way. Can't win with it. With him when he's doing that many, when, when Carson Palmer's throwing that many interceptions. Can't win with him when he's fumbling the ball like that. Can't win with him. Can't do it. Cannot do it. And and so you need to have Patrick Patterson, Peterson, excuse me, trying to make a big play trying to make a big play, and he puts the ball on the turf as well. I mean, it was just big moments in that particular game. That fumble by Peterson was huge. That was a big moment. You know, that was that was a moment there where that, that he would like to take back. Uh, you know, that interception after Peterson gets that pick off of Cam by Kirk Coleman, that's a throw that Carson Palmer would like to have back. Of course, he would love to have that back. Because you scored air, it was 24-7 to at that time. You scored air, it's 24-14. to You're going into halftime feeling a little bit good about yourself. You're only down 10, but you don't score air. You get picked off, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. Superman Cam Newton did what Superman Cam Newton has done. And, and, and now the Carolina Panthers move on. Arizona goes home. Successful season for the Cardinals. And I know uh, Bruce Arians says it's not successful unless you go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. But it was a successful season for the Arizona Cardinals. But I will say this. I'll say this. The Arizona Cardinals, I, I think I, I expected much more. 
I expected the Arizona Cardinals to play a little better. When you turn, like, again, six turnovers will kill you. But when you, I thought Arizona, you know, throughout the course of the season, we had Rodney Gunter on Arizona nose tackle, Arizona Cardinals nose tackle. He talked about the Arizona Cardinals being one of the better football teams in, in, in this league. You know, feel like he, they were one of the better teams in the NFC, the better team, the best team in the NFC. And, you know, at the time, you know, I, I didn't say – I felt like he wasn't that far off. He most definitely was not far off in saying that. But I also think now you look at the situation uh, with this particular football team, the Arizona Cardinals, it's just a matter of Carolina playing big-time football, Carolina not being denied, Carolina being dominant at home, and Cam Newton be on top, being on top of his game, and that Carolina Panthers defense being on top of their game. And all those, everybody being on tops at the tops of their game, special teams are three phases of the football game. You have all those working for you, and now you have 49 to 15. Carolina Panthers look good. They look great, actually. And, and you know, they they dominated that first half against, against, the, uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, and you thought they were going to run away with that football game. Seattle came back. Seattle made it close at the end and made it competitive. But at the end of the day, Carolina dominated that first half, scored 55 points in two games in first halves. You know, when you when you're scoring that type of those type of points and you're getting that type of dominance from your defense and you're getting that type of dominance from your offense, you're getting that running game flowing. You're getting Cam Newton throwing it to Philly Brown, throwing it to Ted Ginn Jr. You got that working for you, man. This is a tough football team to beat. Cam Newton running, dabbing left and right. That offense just you know, dabbing up and down the field, Cam Newton dipping and dabbing. Uh, you know, I mean, one, two touchdowns by air, two touchdowns on the ground, counting for four touchdowns. This dude is the ultimate weapon. You know, I remember many moons ago, Randall Cunningham was on the Sports Illustrated cover calling him the ultimate weapon. Well, Cam Newton is an ultimate weapon. He's an ultimate weapon. And his ultimate weapon, you know, he, he he's just big time. Big time, man. This has been – this is the year of Cam. And, and, I, and I say that this is the year of Cam, and saying that this is the year of Cam, you might have an idea where I'm going. But I don't know where I'm going just yet in terms of my Super Bowl pick. But Cam Newton's been special. He's been absolutely special. And we haven't – you know, to his ability – you know, Michael Vick was a great runner, but he was always suspect in terms of the passing. You know, Randall Cunningham was a great runner, and it wasn't until later in his career where he kind of perfected, you know, being in the pocket. Those those years, that year in Minnesota, 98, where he was effective in the pocket with Moss and Carter and those boys. But, and Randall Cunningham was the ultimate weapon, but he wasn't the pocket passer that Cam Newton is. And, and Randall Cunningham, you know, Randall Cunningham glide. He just glided up and down the field. The way he ran was special. He was special with the ball. And obviously Cam Newton is just that special, even more special, I think, on the ground. And, and so you you look at it, and, and I'm like, maybe we haven't seen anything like this. Maybe this is the ultimate weapon, and this is the year of Cam Newton. I, and, and I guess, you know, we, we'll see if this is in fact the year of Cam Newton. We'll see that next week in Santa Clara. We'll see if it is the year of Cam Newton, or is it the final hurrah for Peyton Manning? And let's go into what we saw last week in Denver. Peyton Manning 
has has morphed into a game manager. Peyton Manning is what we've called Alex Smith over the years. He's a game manager at this point. You know, last week, it, it, it really wasn't about anything Peyton did because what Peyton did wasn't really that sensational. What Peyton did wasn't really that great. You know, the, the, he didn't really do anything memorable. He didn't really do anything that had us saying, wow, Peyton's back. If anything, it still gives us questions. You walk away from that game the way you walk away from the Steelers game. What questions? I mean, Peyton Manning, 17 for 32, only 176 yards, but two big touchdowns to Owen Daniels. But that game last week was about the hits. It was about that defense. It was about the 20-plus hits they had on Peyton Manning. I mean, Tom Brady. It was about the two interceptions they had on Tom Brady. It was about the four sacks they had on Tom Brady. It was also about a defense that, that rose up down the stretch. They rose up down the stretch at key moments in that ball game where they stopped the, Denver, the New England Patriots. They rose up at key moments, at key times, you know, in the fourth quarter where, where, where you had – the New England Patriots have an opportunity after opportunity. That Denver defense rose up on that 4 for one against Edelman, rose up when they threw the ball to Gronk in the end zone, rose up on that two-point conversion. That defense rose up, and they rose up throughout the course of that game. That game wasn't about Peyton Manning. That game wasn't about Peyton Manning, the game manager, because that's what he is at this point. That game was about that Denver Broncos defense, that big-time Broncos defense who rose up, stepped up, and now the Denver Broncos are off to the Super Bowl. We're going to bring in a guy who, who, who saw this coming, who saw the Denver Broncos going to the Super Bowl. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Willie. Yes. How you doing, Paul? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for joining us, and and you saw it. You you had the vision, if you will. You had the foresight. You had uh, the the knowledge that you felt like the Denver Broncos were going to win, and it kind of won the way you thought they were going to win with defense. Talk about that. Well, I, I thought they would win with defense, Paul. Uh, 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 Paul. But but I thought they would make more plays offensively. I mean the way that defense played and they missed the field goal. Uh, New England, New England still had a chance to win the game late. I mean so as good as the defense played, they couldn't get away from the Patriots. So I mean it's kind of a catch twenty two because they got they got it done. But I mean. Can that defense play that well in, in the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers team? Can they? Can they? Can they? Can they? Can they do that? I mean, I will tell you this: if Denver's going to win the game, they're going to have to score more points than that, and Peyton Manning's going to make more plays than that. And I told you he would find he would make a couple plays, which he did stretch the field, and he made a couple plays early in the game. He didn't make a lot in the second half, and that game was a lot tighter than it should have been. Uh, uh, Denver should have won that game. If they scored at least another touchdown or two, and Denver should have won that game. Uh, but 
I just don't understand how how New England can look so good a week prior, and they don't even touch the quarterback, and they're getting rid of the ball so so fast. And then this week, I mean, it's like it's like uh, it's like Tom Brady didn't know who he was throwing to, and and, and I've, I've seen Tom Brady play a lot, Paul. You saw that he had happy feet late in that game a couple on a couple plays. Yeah. You saw him looking to get rid of the ball. He was thinking somebody was about to hit him. He he was he was de- they definitely did a good job of I mean he hit him twenty plus times. I mean they definitely did a great job of rattling Tom Brady, getting after the quarterback, Demarcus Ware, uh Vaughn Miller, Derek Wolf. I mean they were playing meet me at the quarterback throughout the course of that game. And and it, it you know, Tom Brady was rattled and even being rattled, he still threw for 310 yards. Granted, he threw the ball 56 times, but he still threw for over 300 yards. But I, I just, like you said, you know, you know, my takeaway from the game is what I saw on the offensive side of the ball with the Denver Broncos, what I saw out of their quarterback, Peyton Manning. He's a game manager at this point in his career, and I think you might need a little bit more than a game manager to beat the Carolina Panthers because they score points. They scored a lot of points. I mean, they've scored 54 points in the first half of the, uh, the last two games. I mean, 54 combined points. So this team is putting up points. Can Dem- is Denver capable? I mean, they scored 20 in this game, and they scored 23 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they capable of any more than that? They might have to go to 30 if they want to win. Are they capable of doing it? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, it's going to come up to Peyton Manning. Can he do it? I mean, I thought Denver would run the ball a little better, Paul. So probably they didn't really – they weren't able to run the ball as well as I thought they would have. And, and, and I mean, that hurt them. They couldn't – they didn't run – if you tell me how many yards they ran for, Peyton made it one to play. But I don't think they ran – did they run for – did Denver run 400 yards? I don't think they did. Not, I thought, 99. Uh, on 30 carries, 99. Okay, on 30 nine, carries, okay, okay, decent. But I thought they would take over the game running the ball, and they, and they then they popped some plays in the second half. But it's gonna come down to what can, can Peyton Manning make some plays down the field. And and if you if you if you want to tell me even 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 as good as even as good as the uh, Broncos defense is, are they gonna be able to contain Cam Newton in that offense for an entire game? I tell you, I don't think they are. And I don't know if they're going to be able to stop them and hold them under 30 points. And like you said, Denver's going to have to score 30 to to, 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 to beat these guys. I mean, and, 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 and when Carolina gets going and they get rolling, you know, you know, I would say this. It, it's a neutral field. It's on grass, which, you know, both teams play on grass. It's going to be decent weather. So, you know, it's going to come down to – which team is going to make the most plays? And at this point, if, if you're asking me, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, if you're asking me, Paul, I've got to say that I think that uh, uh, the the young gun, i got to go with the young gun over, you know, unless he's rattled by the, by the big lights, which I don't think he's going to be. I don't I don't feel like Cam, I mean, Cam went to, went to college one year and won a national championship. I mean, he's been progressing. I know he had a couple, of, his rookie year, an excellent year. You know he threw for a bunch. I mean, I mean, he's he's played good. He hasn't been as consistent in his career as he's been this year. But this year he's been uh, he's been playing consistent throughout the year. I mean, I haven't seen him. You know, the Atlanta game. I don't know how many turnovers he had, but I mean, Cam's been playing pretty damn good. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. 
uh, that I didn't know about Cam watching him this year. Other than Russell Wilson making some throws, Cam is, is is way more accurate than I think a passer lately, especially this year, Paul, than I've seen him in the past. I mean, he throws some of those balls on a on a rope where that receiver's yeah. going to catch it and the receiver can run with it. And, and I'm going to tell you a couple guys that are underrated. That number 10, number 17, the young kid they got, and, and, and again, and and, 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 he, and, and and you know he's going to Austin, but they have some underrated receivers that are excellent at running the ball after the catch. And, and there's, there's also the thing. I mean, I, I was talking about this earlier. I, I look at, like, a Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham could run the ball better, just as good as any quarterback, then and today. But Randall Cunningham, until later in his career, wasn't the same type of pocket passer that Cam Newton is. And, and so Cam Newton... You know, I saw. I remember many moons ago, Randall Cunningham on, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the ultimate weapon. I think this guy, Cam Newton, might be the ultimate weapon. His size, 6'6", 250 pounds. He's a big boy. He's accurate. He can run. He's fast. You know, he's, he's almost, you know, the perfect quarterback. And I think, you know, he's put it all together this year in terms of, the, the perfection, I mean, 35 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions, and then, oh, by the way, another 10 touchdowns on the ground, and then you look at it, you, you come into the season, you say, okay, their number one wide receiver, Calvin Benjamin, is out, so how do they mm-hmm. replace it? Well, Cam Newton carries his offense, keeps his offense flowing. It's almost like a Tom Brady-like performance from the standpoint, you know, Brady over the years didn't always have the best of the best in terms of wide receivers, and, and skill position guys, but he found a way to uplift those particular guys, and that's what we're seeing from Cam Newton this year. He's found a way to uplift those guys. He's become a leader of that particular football team, and it's kind of hard at this point to bet against Cam Newton. It really is. It is, and, and I'm going to tell you another. And, and with, 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 with Jared Allen going to come back and play this week, the linebacker's going to come back and be, be, be play with the broken arm. He's playing. You got Keekley who's, who's been playing great. I mean, if Jared Allen can give you 30, 40 good snaps and can rush the passer, then, then you know, I, and, and the, thing, the thing that was excellent with that game was you, you, saw, you saw Von Miller last week put up one, I mean, what did I tell you? He looks like Derek Thomas. He put up an all-time performance in that game. But late in that game, it was DeMarcus Ware that was putting all the pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But the first half and the first half, two, uh, two and a half quarters, they could not block They could not block the, uh, Von Miller. Why would you not chip him or do something over there? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry uh, Paul. I'm going to leave somebody in. I'm going to do something. If Von Miller's creating that many problems for me, put another body on him. Do Bump him. Do something. Von Miller was destroying that whole – Von Miller took over the game. Von Miller dominated that game and dominated that offensive line. And they wanted to fire the assistant line coach or whatever after that. But, I mean, that, I mean, that line played good, excellent against Kansas City two weeks ago. That line got destroyed against sure. the Denver Broncos at home. And like I said, I don't know what was wrong with Tom Brady, but if you look at Tom Brady's mannerisms from the beginning of that game – he just didn't look right, you know, Paul. He did not look right, and they and they shut Gronkowski down. And Gronkowski got got hot late and came and made some good plays in the second half. But that, I mean, that defense, like you said, that defense played that type of game. 
Can they play that type of game in the Super Bowl against Carolina? I think Carolina has a way better offensive line. I think their scheme's better. I think they have uh, – uh, I don't know, the receivers didn't show up for them, but I think they're going to show up in the Super Bowl. And, and, and I think they got that X factor, Cam Newton. And uh, if, they, if, they are, if they're able to establish the run, which is hard to do against Denver, then I know they're going to be in trouble. But, if they, but it's going to come down to can they make plays and is, can they get – who do you think they're going to get to either? Peyton Manning or Cam Newton? I say that Denver, that defense for Carolina, is, that patch-up line for Denver it, it was giving up some plays too. It, it, it's going to get beat some in this game. And, and they got a lot of backups playing, playing right now. So it's only it's only it's only uh, the the dam can break sooner or later, and if the dam breaks against Carolina, it could get real ugly because they they got some problems with that line. They've been having patching up all year that they had make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I just think it's too big a task if your line is not solidifying it. Unless they're gonna keep somebody in and establish the run, it's gonna be tough to run the ball against Carolina. Though, and if you you can't run the ball against them, then you're gonna have to throw the ball, and then you're gonna then here they come. Well, let's look at it this way. I mean, I know you said earlier that you felt like there's not a game that's big enough for Cam Newton. The game won't be bigger than Cam Newton. But I will say this. You look at it from the Denver Broncos standpoint. I mean, a lot of these guys were here last time this Bronco team made it to the Super Bowl two years ago. So they they have the experience. They know what it ta- they don't know what it takes because they'll win, but they know what it is to play in a big game like the Super Bowl. So does experience possibly play a role for the Denver Broncos, and you, I mean, you have to say advantage Denver in terms of experience. I don't know how much that means, but you have to give them the edge in terms of experience. I give them the edge as far as experience, but you got some players on both sides of the ball that haven't played in the big game. You got some players on both sides of this ball that haven't played in the big game. Now, Peyton's been there a few times. You know, you, you, you know so I will say that you give the advantage – to them in that aspect, but I bet you got some guys. You got some guys on Carolina team that's been in the league a long time too. You got Roman Harper that's played in the Super Bowl for the. That was with the Saints on that team. You have uh, well, Tillman's hurt, but you uh, you have some guys that have played. Uh, Michael Orr, the offensive line for the uh, for for Carolina's been in the Super Bowl. So you have some guys that have played in the big game that are on Carolina's team right now. But but like, I, I I will say if you want to look overall. Denver was there a couple of years ago, but this is a little bit different team, and this is a better defense. And I will say this: this right. defense for Denver is better than that defense. You got with 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 Shane, with Shane Ray and, and Demarcus Ware wasn't on that team. Tlaib wasn't on that team. Uh, so you, you know you got some better. I don't know if you have better better weapons off, off, offensively, but on defense, this defense is way better than that defense. But here, and here's the thing, like. I, I, you know, as I look at this game, I, I'm thinking, like, when Seattle played Denver a couple of years ago in that Super Bowl, Seattle came out, you know, they, they kind of punched Denver in the mouth. And, and I think if you're that Bronco defense, you've got to come out early and try to set the tone and try to punch Carolina right in the mouth. You've you got to set that tone defensively. That is your – I think this defense is – they play very good against the uh, New England Patriots. I feel like they have to play even better against the Carolina Panthers. And can you play any better than what they did last week against the New England Patriots? Can, can they be better that defense? No, no. <laughs> and I don't. And, I, and I, even if they punch them in the mouth, Denver's going offense is going to have to punch them and go down on Carolina. And 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 I think Carolina's defense can play better. 
I think Carolina defense can play better than they play. Well, it was it was a cra- it was a crazy game. No, I, I'm not gonna. Say, I mean, I mean, they returned one for a touchdown. That game got out of control. I, the only way you're gonna beat Carolina, if, if Peyton's gonna stand around back there, is the, the, who gave him problems. Russell Wilson, you gotta have a mobile quarterback. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, Paul, Russell Wilson made a lot of them plays with his feet. That one touchdown he threw in the back of that end zone, Jared Allen almost sacked him. He spit out of there, turned around and ran, and just threw the ball up. I mean, he was running for his life on some of them plays when he made. If you can't do that with Peyton Manning, can't. Then what? What are you gonna do? You, the only thing that you're gonna do to be able to beat them is run the ball, play action. Bootleg, do all the stuff that off, that that offense can do. If they slow down a part of that offense, and then you got to rely on the throw, then, then then they're gonna they're gonna pin their ears back. The only way you keep them honest, Carolina, is running the football. And then it's the same system they ran when Mike Shanahan was there. Run, run to L. Davis, run to L. Davis. Now we play action and we hit you over the top or we boot out and we hit the tight end or the other guy running underneath right there in the flat. They run the same system. So the, the the way that the, the way that system works to perfection is running the football. If you can run the football, you establish that. If you can't run the football, then you're not going to establish the play action because they're not going to bite. Right. And 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 the thing is, well, here's the thing. I, I don't think we've seen whether or not a team could. I mean, the the Seattle game was a blowout early, and then you know Arizona same. Yeah. Arizona yeah so so do you. What, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's say this. What if Carolina hits them in the mouth and go up twenty-one nothing or whatever, like they've been doing? Does Denver catch up with them? Do you think Denver's gonna that, catch up with them? No, I, I can't. I can't see Denver scoring any more than what they scored. I can't see. I mean, they scored twenty-three points against the Steelers. I can't see any more than that. And they, and they scored that late. Remember, they they scored that because they got the turnover because the guy hit the guy right. from Pittsburgh and got the turnover late. Right. So I I don't I I I mean I'm trying to find ways and scenarios <laughs> and figure out ways that Denver can win this game. Here's the thing I will say, I will say Arizona had some success running the football, but I I mean you know averaging four yards a carry with David Johnson, he had 60 yards in that particular game, 15 carries. But you know somebody's going to have to be able to run the ball. They, they, they Hillman and and Anderson are going to have to be able to run the ball. If they don't run the ball, I don't. Peyton Manning was 17 for 32, you know, barely over 50% completion percentage. I mean, this is Peyton Manning we're talking about. So, No, no, you know, no. Is, is Oswald available or is he hurt? He is available. He's available. I thought, I, somebody told me he's hurt. I, didn't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I heard it. He was I active, he was, he was active you know. last week. Okay. So he was active. So, so what, what happens if you get in a scenario where – Peyton's not playing well. They're not moving the ball. Do you pull him? That that's. I mean, here there's a lot of scenarios and a lot of situations that come into play. I mean, you talk about Peyton Manning. This possibly is his last game. Can you pull Peyton Manning and possibly his last game? Can you do it? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's all about winning the Super Bowl. And you feel like Osweiler gives you the best opportunity. You owe it to your football team to pull him because at the end of the day. Which quarterback, if Peyton is not back there getting hit and can't move around and they're, and they're in trouble, which quarterback is going to be more mobile, Osweiler or Peyton? I mean, I, I think it was Osweiler. I, I well, no doubt you. about it. 
So are you calling for Osweiler to be the quarterback in the Super Bowl? I said this a couple of weeks ago. I, I I I said this before the game. I thought Peyton would win that game, but I might against against Carolina. I, I don't know if I wouldn't start Osweiler. I I, I mean, mean what, how, how much has he impressed you, Paul? He's he's made a couple shots down the field. He's barely thrown fifty percent. I mean, what? You, it's it's a it's a tough situation. That offense was moving. That that offense was moving pretty well when Osweiler was running it. Look, I mean, I thought it ran decent. I mean, it wasn't great. Here's the thing. Osweiler played good, but he didn't play great enough to keep Peyton Manning on the back. And I think that, I mean, but at the same time, you know, can you trot out this 39-year-old Peyton Manning who, again, sub-50% in terms of, not sub-50%, but barely over 50% completion percentage. Can you trot out this guy, Peyton Manning, who – He's just a game manager, really, at this point in his career. He's not very good. And and so, being that he is not very good, okay, let, let's put it this way. All right, let's just say we have a situation where let's just throw out a scenario. Let's just say it's 24-7 to 7 at halftime. Uh, Carolina's up. Peyton Manning, so-so. They get, a, they get a touchdown off. I don't know. Let's say they get a touchdown off special teams with Peyton Manning. Has been so so. Didn't hasn't really played that well. Only scored score touchdown before the half. I I, right. I, I say this: if, if it's like that, you got to put Oswald in the second half. And I'm sorry, I, I want to see Peyton end it on a good note. I would love to see him, and, and I hope he does. I just think it's going to be a, the, the pressure's not on Carolina. The pressure's on Denver to play well. The pressure's on Peyton Manning to play well. After the way he looked in that Super Bowl two years ago, the, pay, the pressure's Carolina's going to be loose. The pressure ain't on Carolina. The pressure can never keep up with us. If I'm Carolina, can you keep up with us? Because we're going to score. Cam's going to run the ball. Cam's going to take off running the ball. The pressure ain't on Carolina. Don't on Carolina. And when those ends get upfield and, and they do that read option, Cam's going to take off running. So what I'm trying to tell you, they're not going to be able to run the field like they can against some quarterbacks. Because you got to, you got to, you got to, uh, you got to watch Cam. You got to watch him. Right. They run about it. Run about it. Didn't they run about it? Play. They're designed plays where they run the football. Throw the end up the field, and uh, Mike Hall go up there and block the linebacker. So you, you can't. Well, you can't just. You got to play him differently than than you can. You got to stay in your lanes. You got to stay disciplined. But I'm telling you, Paul is. I want to see Peyton play well. I wanted him to play well. But the pressure's all on him to play well. It's on Peyton. Can he play well? Because everybody's predicting Carolina right now. To me, you know, we all, I mean, I'm not a big Peyton Manning guy. But, you know, you always want to see people go out on a good note. But I I don't see, first and foremost, I hope he walks away after this game. That's what I hope first and foremost. Secondly, I don't see a guy who can, like you said, push the ball down the field. I don't see a guy who can 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 score, can help lead his team to, to score 30 points. I don't see a guy who is capable of that. I see a guy who is capable of what we saw the other day, a guy capable of maybe getting over 200 yards, capable of maybe a couple touchdowns, capable of you know managing a game, maybe not turning the football over. But I don't see a guy who is capable of winning a game. 
I don't see how that is possible. I don't see a guy who is capable of winning a game. And, and just based off of what we saw, I mean, Carolina Panthers, you know, they, they led the league in total points. So this team puts up points, 31 points per game, 500 points. They put up points. Denver has not shown that ability. They're 19th in terms of points. 355 points they scored this year. They have not shown the ability to score points in the regular season, a bunch of points, and they haven't really shown the ability. I mean, they, they've had moments. They definitely have moments. But as a whole, they have not, especially in these playoffs, they have not shown that ability. I, I don't know how you pick against the Carolina Panthers in this Super Bowl. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know what scenario that you can come up with. Like I said, it's going to be a, it has to be a situation where you, the Denver Broncos – are turning the Panthers over. It's got to be a situation where Cam is awful. It's got to be a situation where Hillman and Anderson are able to effectively run the ball. It has to be all those. It almost has to be a perfect storm. And I don't know if if a perfect storm is possible. Maybe defensively, but I don't think it's possible offensively. So with that being said, I don't. It's going to be difficult for the Denver Broncos. I mean, I don't. It, there's really no other scenario that I can come up with and see how the Denver Broncos can win this Yeah, game. and then that's what the pressure's on. The pressure, Paul, is on Peyton Manning and the Denver defense. Because if Peyton isn't able to, then here we go. The defense got to step up and play great again. And I don't think they can do that back-to-back weeks. Or two weeks. I don't well, think you, they are. And, and here's the thing. You know, Big Ben and the Steelers were able to make some, you know, were able to make some big plays against that defense. They weren't able to punch it in the end zone enough, but they were able to make some big plays against that uh, uh, Denver Broncos offense defense, I should say, and that was without Antonio Brown, maybe their best offensive player. So without you know, without him, right? So and, 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 he, and Big Ben threw for what you tell me, three hundred thirty some yards. So you know, yeah, you know, uh, 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 Cam's watching that film for sure. So, I mean, and here's the thing. Even you know the Broncos, even though the Broncos are here in the Super Bowl, I felt like they they got a little lucky against the Steelers, and I almost felt like they got a little lucky against the Patriots. I mean, you know, granted, give that defense credit because they stood up when they needed to stand up. I, I can, you know, you got to give them credit. But I, I I feel like that you know, I felt like Denver wasn't the better football team at the end of the day. But I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you win the games, you got to win. And, it does, you know, it also helped, obviously, being at home. Because I think if this game was in New England, in, in Foxborough, I think it would have been a totally different outcome. But, it, you know, that's game. why you – Yeah, most definitely. But, again, you, you get to the playoffs, you do what you got to do in the regular season, and you get the home field advantage. So, it is what it is. I, w- I want to ask you this. In terms of Cam Newton and, you know, the, the, the race factor when it comes to Cam Newton – and, you know, a lot of people talk about him dabbing and, you know, saluting the first down every time and so on and so forth. But and conversely, you know, Steve Smith talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Aaron Rodgers doing the discount double check and all the other stuff. And, and it does seem, from my perspective, it does seem like there is a little bit of a, of a double standard in terms of how people view Cam Newton. And do you think that plays a role? Do you think race plays a role in terms of how people view Cam Newton? It is America. I, I, would, I, would, I would say so. I would agree with that statement. I, you know, just uh, 
he has to understand that that he you know he has to hold himself at a at a higher standard and uh you know he just got to keep doing what he's doing and keep playing hard and you know Cam you never hear about Cam getting any trouble you never hear about him uh, in the public eye getting you know any controversy so you know I just say he's a good young man he carries himself well he conducts himself well uh, you know he's been he, he never gotten in any trouble in that community. So, uh, you know, he just needs to keep conducting himself well, and, you know, he can't really worry about what people say. And, um, you know, he just had his first kid and, and, and take care of that baby, you know. For sure. So, yeah, most most definitely. I know, you know, he had the little issue early, you know, college in Florida, got kicked out of there, but he went to, you know, went to Benton College and won there, won, won there and then went to Auburn and won there. And now he's in the NFL. We'll see if he actually yeah, he, wins. He won. He won. He won a national junior college championship, and he won. And he won. And he won a. Uh, and he won a, a junior college championship. And he won and the NCAA championship. Yeah. And what is what is it? His fifth year, and he's going for a uh, the big the big Super Bowl. So that I mean that's a that's a heck of a resume. Let me ask you this: Do you feel like Cam Newton can keep this going? Can he, you know, let's just say hypothetically wins the Super Bowl? You know, do you see now where this becomes Cam Newton's league? Are we going to start talking uh, about him in terms of the game, you know the top the game, five quarterbacks? I think uh, you know you, you, what happens is Paul, you 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 start you start playing these teams, and then you see these guys going to the getting better, and he's watched Russell Wilson and all the stuff they said about Russell Wilson. And, you know, for a minute they were talking about uh, uh, RG3 and they were talking about Russell Wilson. And, you know, he he went up there in the playoffs and got beaten and, and uh, you know, got a chance to get in that playoff game. And, you know, he just, you know, I, he just played, he, he just playing so consistent this year now. It's like he's a – I mean, I, I think the game – the system, I, I think they finally got the right fit for him as far as what they're doing offensively. It works for him, and 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 they still they still let him run run some. But I mean, his passing, I, he's he's he he's always had a big arm, but I don't think he's ever been this accurate, Paul. That's the thing about no. Cam. The difference between Cam and what's called, he's not gonna miss all those shots. Remember, he missed one early in the game that would have been a touchdown. And 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 the thing about Carolina, they're going to take shots down the field. They're not going to just uh, dink and dunk and dink and dunk. They take shots. They're trying to they're trying to take you out. So they're taking their shots down the field, and they take a lot of them. And when they get that tight end one on one of Cam, but Cam is uh, the, 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 the difference I see in him now and then. I see his confidence is an all time high, and he just seems like the game is slowed down for him, and he's just a lot more accurate a quarterback throwing the ball. It, it just, it just, it just seems like his year. It just, it just seems like the year. Okay. No, I, I think I, th- I think this is I think this is a sign. I think they're going to be good from now on. As long as they got weapons around him and they got a good line, I think he's going to put up. I think Cam, I think the game is slowing down for him. Probably's in his fifth year. You know, if you right. become you 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 you're coming. Uh, you know what is you know what is he? He's twenty two, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty eight years old. He's a vet now. Yeah. He's been in the league a long time. He's played a lot of football. It's time for him to mature and play at this level. I mean, look at the look at the physical. This guy, six five. 
you know, can, can run a four or five or maybe faster. And, and, he, and he, he's smart. He doesn't take off running and use his legs as much as he did a couple of years ago, but he picks his spots. And as long as they got a running game going and as long as they, they got a decent line and they got some weapons for him, I think he's going to be better. I just think it's his time. And I think it's going to be Russell Wilson and Cam Newton are going to be knocking on the door here in the next few years. They both they both are, you know, the young guns right now. If you want to say Cam going to Super Bowl, if he wins it this year, you got to put him and Russell Wilson. you got to put both those guys in the top, top ten. I'm not going to say top five, but they're knocking on the door. So you, you feel like this is going to be their league at some point? We're going to say, like you know, in terms of. I feel like it's kind of their league now. I, you know, when 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 Tom Brady when Tom Brady and uh when Tom when Tom Brady and uh and Peyton Manning retire, Drew Brees is thirty five. You got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, have we seen the best of Aaron Rodgers? So when Tom Brady when he's got these when when Tom Brady is about to slow down and, and, and Peyton Manning's probably going to retire, I, you know you got you got Big Ben who's got a few years left. But as far as young guns right now, I say I say I say that they, they, they I say these brothers are taking it towards right now. So I say it's going. I say they, they, they're the young and upcoming studs right now. The, the two brothers. Okay. All right. So we'll 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 see if Pan if Cam can can finish off this magical year. Next week, and and we'll see what it can be moving forward. Really, I know you, well, Paul, Paul, I got a question for you. If you put somebody else, if you put if you put another quarterback, one of those other guys is not mobile on Carolina or on 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 Seattle. Are they in the, are, are are those teams as productive as they are with Cam or Russell Wilson? I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to say probably not from this standpoint especially when I look at the Carolina Panthers, you know, he's done so much with so little, you know, and, and so you look at that, I think you have to take that into account. You have to take into account what he's done, with his, what he does and done with his legs, Russell Wilson as well. And, and Russell Wilson, I mean, even, you know, we talk about his legs, that second half of the season, he was a big-time passer. You know, he, he was a big-time passer. You know, we, we always want to talk about Russell Wilson's legs, but Russell Wilson from the pocket was a big time passer, and you know that was a team off with that off. Their offensive line wasn't really that great in Seattle. They had a lot of struggles throughout the course of the season in terms of offensive line play in Seattle. So I agree with you. I think if you put, I think if you put any other quarterback under center in Seattle and or uh, Carolina, you might not get the same results unless it's maybe Tom Brady. And I guess you yeah, yeah, but I'm not, well. not going to say Tom Brady because you're going to have Tom Brady's going to have to run around and make those plays that those, those guys can make with his feet, and they, he can't do it. Those guys but extend, he, he the, extend the play and make and make plays with their feet, uh, Paul. He finds ways. I mean, I, I think if you put Aaron Rodgers there, I think you're still good too. Yeah, what about Big Ben? Big Ben moves around a little bit in the pocket. I think if you put, I I, I still don't think you're as good as with those guys. I think those I think those systems that those systems fit those guys. And another thing about Russell Wilson, he lost his running back. He had running back commit by committee. He lost receivers. I mean, he was doing this with some no name guys too, and he was spreading the ball around. Yeah, I mean, he lost Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham was seen. It looked like he was coming around. Doug Baldwin had a pretty good year. 
for the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, but he's not, you know, he's not the who's who's in terms of wide receiver play in the National Football League. But he had a pretty decent year for the Seahawks. I mean, like like you said, those guys, you know, the the, the ability they have with their feet, coupled with their ability to uh, you know throw the ball from the pocket, has really really been a big big uh, situation, a big. Uh, benefit for both football teams and a big benefit for them. I mean, those uh, Wilson and, and and Cam Newton have really, really stepped up their game and are big time quarterbacks. And the, and the funny thing is, you know, we used to talk about Seattle. We used to talk about that defense all the time. And I, and I think we got this year was the first time I think we finally was able to talk about Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Russell Wilson, you know, his and and his ability, his ability. I mean, thirty four and, 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 and I think I, and I think Paul Russell Wilson has made Cam step his game up. I think Russell Wilson beat them in the playoffs, and they're going up there fighting them. Remember, they beat them there one time. But I think Russell Wilson, doing what he did, and Cam watching him with all the praise he got, has made Cam Newton step his game up and made him a better football player. For sure, for sure. And, and it's funny. I remember a couple of years ago when, when Kaepernick was at the top of his game, and, you know, Carolina, you know, Cam Newton, that team – they were, I believe it was two years ago, maybe three years ago, where they got to the divisional round and, you know, they had a bye and they, they had a home game against the 49ers and the 49ers won in there, Kaepernick won in there, and Kaepernick and the 49ers won that game. And you, you had the thought at the time that maybe Kaepernick was going to be the next big thing in terms of quarterback. He had some questions about Cam. It's so funny how years later now, two or three years later, it's totally different. We're, we're talking about Kaepernick in terms of, you know, what were the 49ers are going to do with Kaepernick? He might not even be there next year. I think he will, but who knows? I mean, he's got a price tag, a, de- a heavy price tag, so who knows? I mean, but I'm saying it's so funny how, you know, you, you talk about Kaepernick in the way we're talking about him. We're talking about Cam the way we're talking about him. We're talking about Cam as, you know, maybe the best quarterback in the National Football League. Willie, before we get out of here, I know you're doing some big things with, with FrameYourGame.com. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're um, you know, we're, we're basically starting with colleges, and we've got about 80 college licenses, but we're going up to show the NFL, and we're going to be, I'm going to be at the Taste of the NFL, uh, uh, showing the product at, at, at the Taste, and I'm going to be at a, some different functions showing the product, and uh, the website should be here launched in the next week uh, before the Super Bowl, and uh, people can go to frameyourgame.com and uh Pick out a face mask or uh, the hat version, and, uh, and and whatever their favorite team is, and should be able to order them. And uh, like I said, we're we're looking to do some big things, and uh, hopefully by the time the uh, season starts next year, maybe we'll have some uh, news about NFL licensing. So fans, you know, it's about to launch. You know, make sure you save it in your phone, save it somewhere, frameyourgame.com. It's coming. Support it. Doing big things. Might look nice in your man cave, look nice on your car. So make sure you support it. Frameyourgame.com. Go to the website; it's about to launch. So make sure you support all the great things going on with Frameyourgame.com. Willie, pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe getting his take on what possibly might happen next week in Santa Clara and what happened this week during Championship Weekend. International Football League. We're about to bring in a guy now. The Denver Broncos, they're preparing for the Super Bowl, preparing uh, to go up against the Carolina Panthers, preparing 
to possibly shock the world because I think that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to shock the world if they want to win Super Bowl 50. I mean, they're just as the, you you watch the game, you watch the team, you watch the two teams and there's no way, no way, no way, no way, no way that you can think or or believe that the Carolina Panthers will lose to the Denver Broncos. All you got to do is do the eye test. The eyes never lie. Sometimes they lie, but the eyes most of the time don't lie. And the eyes are telling me and showing me that the Carolina Panthers are, in fact, the better football team. The, 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 my eyes are telling me that the Carolina Panthers have the better quarterback in Cam Newton. My eyes are telling me that this is the year of Cam. This is the year of the dab. This is the year of all those good things. I'd be shocked if the Denver Broncos won Super Bowl 50. Absolutely shocked. Stranger things have happened. But we're going to bring in a guy from the Denver Broncos, Lorente McCray, linebacker for the Broncos. And he said some interesting things in this interview. Maybe he believes the Broncos can get it done. Let's bring him in now. Denver Broncos linebacker, Lorente McCray. Lorente, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Paul? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. You're playing in super in the Super Bowl, the biggest event in sports. Are you kicking yourself right now, man? Um, not really, man. You know, um, we've just been primed for this position, you know, coming in here in 2013, being able to come in and go to the Super Bowl my rookie year. And we okay. did end up with the victory. So right now we're just uh, looking at the Super Bowl as unfinished business. Okay. Uh, unfinished business, no doubt about it, as you guys return to the Super Bowl one more time. And, and, and let's talk about this game against the New England Patriots. You hit Tom Brady 23 times. You sacked him four times. Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware were playing meet me at the quarterback throughout the course of that game. Talk about what you guys did to Tom Brady. Um, you know, we just we just played our game. We just came in there as, you know, um just trying to defend our home. You know, if you have you have somebody breaking your home at nighttime and and they try to take what's yours and you know what you have in your house and they should never leave out for the like they didn't they didn't feel you around, they didn't feel your uh they didn't feel you or feel anything from you. So we just played our game and knew what we did all year. Let me ask you this: Going into this game, did you did you feel like you guys could get a lot of pressure on Tom Brady? Oh yeah, we knew we knew coming into the game. We knew the first time we played him when they came down here in uh, December that uh, wait, I I don't remember if it was December or November. I think it was November. But we remember when they came down here, we got a, we applied a lot of pressure on Tom Brady, and we knew that we were going to have to at least match that intensity that we played him the first time, or you know, overwhelmed that intensity. So we felt like we did a good job of getting pressure to him. Yeah, you definitely pressured him. You definitely put a lot of pressure on him. Definitely uh, had him a little rattled, it seemed, uh, as we watched that particular game. We're talking to Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray. And, Lorente, I mean, I saw Sports Illustrated. They had the Patriots winning big in that particular game. You, you hear everybody throughout the country. They had the Patriots winning that game. Did, did that fuel you guys? Did that put a little chip on your shoulder, the doubters? Um, you know, it, it was definitely a sign of disrespect just from outside looking in. But, I mean, in the Broncos facility here in Dove Valley, we all knew what we had as a team. We all knew what we came here to do as soon as Coach 
Gary Kubiak came in, he told us that we had what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. Now we just got to put it all together. So, I mean, we knew ever since he walked in the door and even before that that we had what it takes and we knew that any, nobody was going to believe in us except the people in that building. And uh, we just got to go and get the job done in the Super Bowl 50. We're talking to Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray. And let me ask you this, Vaughn Miller, two and a half sacks and an interception. He was big time. And, again, he was playing meet me at the quarterback with DeMarcus Ware, Wolf, everybody throughout the course of that game. Talk about what we saw and what you saw from Vaughn Miller. Um, Like I told like I told Vaughn before the game and after the game, I say, go out there and do what they brought you here to do, and that's be a legend. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely felt that. The Patriots felt his legacy and who he is as a player. And I thought after the game that that was the best game I've seen you play since I've been here. And I've been playing with you for three years as far as effort-wise, statistics, and just being an overall great player. How about the crowd? I mean, they seem to be big time for you guys. They seem to rattle the Patriots a little bit throughout the course of that game. Talk about that Broncos crowd on Sunday. Um, The crowd is electric. I mean, from... Start to finish, you know, when they uh, when they won the toss and elect to receive, that was another sign of disrespect that they showed us. And on the first snap of the game when Tom Brady got on the center and got ready to call his plays out, the crowd was, you know, Richard scale out, as I would say, the whole game. The whole game, they just had them rattled. They couldn't they couldn't get their communication together. I even think they had a couple offside penalties on their punt team. Okay. So, yeah, you guys, the crowd was huge. The crowd was huge. <laughs> In that game, and big time. Uh, let me ask you this: Did you, you so you felt like the Patriots taking the ball was a form of disrespect. Tell us why. Um, I mean, I feel I feel like that was just a sign of uh, to show our defense that hey, you know, we 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 not believing all the hype. You know, y'all, we got everybody. We got all eleven people, all eleven starters here with Dylan Belichick, and that they feel like they can go down and, and strike first and draw the first blood during that game. But we just knew what we had coming in as a team that. They wasn't going to do that, and that we wasn't going to leave out that game empty-handed. Is this the best you've seen your defense play since you've been there in Denver? Um, yeah, as a as a whole, this is this is probably by far the best I've seen us play as a team. Period. Not alone defense, just our whole okay. team. We just coming together in adverse situations, and just we are primed for this position that we're in right now. We've been. We've been dealing with the whole year. We're battle-tested and we're war-ready. We're uh, we ready for everything. I don't think it's a situation in football that we haven't been through this year. We're talking to Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray and Peyton Manning. You know, came off the bench against the Chargers, helped you guys win that game, which ultimately helped you guys get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. This possibly could be his last run. Is there a little bit of let's win this for Peyton going on as well? Almost definitely. I mean, whenever you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you definitely want to send them out the right way. And I think the message was that at the beginning of the years, that uh, from from the top of the organization, from Elway to Mr. Ellis and Coach Kubiak, they all said, hey, you know, we want Peyton Manning to have a storybook in it from the start of this season. As I said, coming into the year, this uh, 18 for 18 is number 18. is 18 here in the league for the 50th Super Bowl, so we got to go make it happen for him. It's a historic moment. Coming into this game, the, the Patriots game, you know, there was a lot of talk of dislike. You, you felt the dislike between both teams coming into the game. You felt the dislike during the game. And you even felt the dislike after the game. You dislike the Patriots, man? 
Um, I mean, whoever whoever lined up and try to take us out, we just like anybody that play that play us on, play us on the other side of that ball. You know what okay. I'm saying? It's it's not really a dislike more for them than the other people because we we play in the Broncos every week. If the Broncos go out and do what we got to do, then it, 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 we're not gonna lose. I mean, the games that we lost this year is because we we defeated ourselves. So I mean, we we facing each we facing our t- ourselves every week in practice Monday through Monday through Saturday. We face ourselves on Sunday. We just go out there and play our best ball, and we're gonna come out victorious. Now we, you got Super Bowl week coming up. A lot going on, man. How, how do you handle Super Bowl week? Um, we just gotta, you know, keep the same preparation. You know, the same preparation what we've been doing all year. Just treat it like a game. Like I say, we we got unfinished business. We we know it's the Super Bowl. It's a big game, but we got to put the noise in our rear in our rear view and just go out and play our game. Cause we we know what we came here to do, and we're not just happy with being there. We we got to host that Lombardi Trophy. Now the next guy that you're going up against, Cam Newton's having a big time year. Thirty five touchdowns through the air, ten touchdowns on the ground, five touchdowns throughout the course of the playoffs. He has been big time throughout the course of the season. Probably the league MVP according to Akib Talib. He is the most dangerous QB in football. How do you stop Cam Newton? Um, I don't. I don't really think it's the way that we can stop Cam Newton. I, I just think that we got to c- try to contain him and, and let the rest of his team beat us. I don't. I don't think that we can contain a player. I mean, when you play a great player, you could just start, try to minimize their opportunities of of beating you, and that's all we can do. You know, Tom Brady. You know, we beat the Patriots, but hey, him and Gronkowski still went out there and had a great game. We just didn't let those two guys beat us. Okay. All right. So. You feel like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, uh, Cam Newton make, might get off, but it's controlling everybody yeah. else. It's, it's all about I mean, controlling like, everybody else. Like, like, like I say, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a team effort to win the game. And like I say, we, we have the best team in the NFL, and one guy is not going to beat us because we, we have a team. So we got to make we got to make the Carolina Panthers beat us as a team. Gotcha. Let me ask you this. You know, again, Panthers' highest-scoring offense in football, you know, and they've been getting it done throughout the course of this season. What is one thing you feel like you need to take away from this Panther offense in order for you guys to win Super Bowl 50? Um, we just, we just gotta, we just gotta take the life out of them from the first, from the first snap of the game. We just gotta go in there and establish our will and show them that we're here all day. For 60 minutes, and that we're not going to let up, and show them that we that we want this game more than they do. Let me ask you: Is it almost like you need to do what kind of Seattle did to you guys a few years back in that Super Bowl? Um, I mean, we're going to do what the Denver Broncos do. I mean, what Seattle did to us—that's what they did. You know, they played they played good, but we we're going to do it the Denver Broncos way, and that's and that's the best way. So, I mean, there hasn't been a team better than us, and there isn't going to be a team better than us this year. I want to ask you this now. You're doing big things in the community with your foundation. Tell us about some of the great things going on. Um, You know, just giving to underprivileged kids. Uh, This past Christmas, I went to the Children's Hospital and just gave gifts to the kids there. And just, I just like to see smiles on their faces. That's that's the biggest part, just being a blessing to those kids. And today we, we get a chance to go. To I forget the place downtown, but we get to go play some video games with the kids, play mad with them. Just, right. just, just an opportunity for them to be able to hang out with some football players that they look up to and just be a role model to them. 
So do you guys have any upcoming events? Not right now, not right at the moment. You know, uh after the after we win the Super Bowl we we have a couple of events in Florida but not right now. Just we have we have one thing, like I said, today with the Denver Broncos where we get a chance to go downtown and play video games for kids and play games with kids and just be able to interact with them and let them hang out with some Super Bowl champions before we go okay. get the job done on February seventh. Okay. So you you believe that the Broncos will get it done February seventh seventh against the Carolina Panthers. Super Bowl 50 out there in San Francisco. Let me ask you this before we get out of here. Obviously, going into this game, the, the Panthers are the favorite. Do you guys like being an underdog? You were the underdog against the Patriots. Going into this game, you are the underdog. Do you like that role? Um, like I say, it, it hasn't been a situation this year that we haven't been in. So, I mean, there's been a lot of games where we've been the underdog and we came out swinging, and by the by the end of that game, we're on top. So, I mean, we're the top dog, but we're the underdog in the eyes of everybody else. Okay, so you seen it all, did it all. Now it's time to go on and win Super Bowl Fifty. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, Lorente, where can fans find information about some of the great things going on uh, with the Big Play Foundation? Oh, they can go on BigPlayMcCraveFoundation.com. Just go in there and check out the website. They'll see some of the upcoming events that we have going on. We have a, bowl, a bowling gala set up in March sometime, and back-to-school drive and a couple of things. We have a, a formal banquet dinner coming up as well in either March or April. They can go in there on BigPlayMcCraveFoundation.com and just check out the website. So, fans, now, go see, to Big Play. Go ahead. No, I said they go on the website. They check out everything, see all the upcoming events. And see what we're doing in the community, and hopefully everybody would like to be a part of it. We're looking for sponsors and donors to help us out as well. So, fans, make sure you go to his website, BigPlayMcCraveFoundation.com. That's BigPlayMcCraveFoundation.com, and support all the great things going on with Lorente McCray. Lorente, I wish you nothing but the best of luck after you win it, possibly. Let's do it again. All right, no problem, man. I'll, I'll be happy to come back on your show and uh Give a testimony to what we did. All right. All right. I'll hold you to that. Take care, man. All right. Thank you, man. Lorente McCray, Denver Broncos linebacker, and he sounds confident. One thing for sure, it, it to me, basically guaranteed a victory for the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. He believes in this ball club. He believes in that team, believes in that defense, believes in everything that they're doing. So he feels like at the end of the day, the Denver Broncos will win Super Bowl 50. Again, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a big-time effort from that defense. It's going to take a big-time effort from Peyton Manning. And I don't see, can't see, how Peyton Manning can get it done. I don't see it. I don't visualize it. I don't think it's possible. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's not impossible. And it's why they play the game. And so we can say whatever we want to say. We can say that, you know, 
the Denver Broncos have no shot. We can say that Cam Newton has been super. He's been big time. And, and, you know, there's no way the Denver Broncos are going to shut down and slow down that offense of the Carolina Panthers. We can say all those things. But at the end of the day, you got to go out and play. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Is it a long shot? I think it is. Is it uphill battle? I think it is. It doesn't seem like this is the year of Cam Newton. I think it does. But at the end of the day, we could speculate. We could talk about it. So we're blue in the face. At the end of the day, they got to play the game. And Super Bowl 50 is it, and Peyton Manning, here's the thing. He don't want to go out. He, he don't want to go out. He does not want to go out like that. He does not want to go out with a loss. And, and so because he doesn't want to go out like that with a loss, Reality is, he's going to maybe, you know, have one more final effort. You know, maybe he's going to come out and give one more big-time effort. I mean, you know, the reality is, if this is going to be his last rodeo, as he said to Bill Belichick, this might be my last rodeo. If he's saying that, then guess what? He's going to want to go out on top. He wants to go out a Super Bowl champion. Is it possible? First of all, you got to do a little better than 17 for 32 and 176 yards. That's first and foremost. Secondly, Ronnie Hillman, C.J. Anderson, and yourself who ran for a first down, you guys got to do a little better than 99 yards on the ground. Defensively. You have to find a way to slow down that Carolina D, uh, offense and also find a way maybe to get a couple turnovers, get a couple short fields. Special teams, you got to find a way to do something in that third phase of the game. you got to find a way. I don't know if you can do it. Prove me wrong. Peyton Manning. Prove me wrong, the Denver Broncos. Prove me wrong. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. But we'll see. Let's go to the NBA now. All-star. Uh, we, we had some of the all-star reserves named yesterday. We got Ty Lu, new coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ty Lue now is going to be the coach of the Eastern Conference All-Stars. What a country. You know, Ty Lue was an assistant. Now he's an All-Star coach. He's coaching the All-Star team. But Ty Lue felt like that that Kevin Love should have been in the All-Star game. And and I'm looking, I'm looking, and and I'm seeing, okay, who can Kevin Love? You know, Kevin Love got off to a great start, but he, he, he struggled of late, struggled recently. You know, who do you take out? Paul Millsap is averaging more points. 
Take out Chris Bosh. Bosh is actually averaging more points. Andre Drummond leads the league in rebounds. I think those guys have had a bigger and greater effect on their ball club than Kevin Love. I, you, when you watch Kevin Love, I don't think we could say that he's an all-star. I don't think you see an all-star when you watch Kevin Love in 2015, 2016. I don't see it. He is averaging a double-double. I'll give you that. But do you see all-star? When, when you watch Kevin Love, can you comfortably say that he's an all-star? I'm not saying it's a long story. I mean, Pal Gasol is having a big-time year, 16-10, and 10, including two block shots. Per game, so he's doing it on a defensive end as well. So he's affecting the game more than just by scoring and rebounding. He's also doing stuff on the defensive end. And I know, granted, you know, Cleveland is the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And, and you know, when you're playing as well as Cleveland has, or, and throughout the course of this year, usually you expect to get a little more than just one All Star. But Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's banged up and injured throughout the course of this year. Just recently came back. He's not an All Star. So my, my my thing is, you know, I don't I understand where Ty Lue is coming from, but you know, the Golden State Warriors, best record in basketball, they got three players on that all star team and as they should. You know, that that's winning. Draymond Green, he's a stat sheet stuffer. Clay Thompson, he's a splash brother. And of course Steph Curry, who's been big time. Special. Probably an all-star. Probably an all-star. I don't see, not an all-star. I said probably. I should say probably the MVP. You know, he he had a great year last season, and it's gotten even better this year. You you could have made arguments last year in, in terms of uh, a James Harden winning the MVP. At, at this point, at this time, you there, there there's no way that you can make an argument for anybody other than Steph Curry at this point of the year. And I, it's going to continue. Obviously, the, the, the Golden State Warriors are going for 72. I'm not sure if they can get it. I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, having to play at a, at a big-time level to win 72 ball games, 73. I mean, you're really, really talking about some big-time basketball. You know, you really have to play some big-time basketball. And, and, and again, it's not out of the realm of possibility the way this team is playing. Have you watched the Golden State Warriors? I mean, did you watch what they did to the San Antonio Spurs? Granted, Tim Duncan was on the bench, but they beat him by 30. wasn't there. was injured. Did you watch what they did to Cleveland, went into Cleveland, into, in, in their own building in Cleveland, and gave the Cavaliers a beatdown. Got their coach fired pretty much. A beatdown. And so this team, the hunt for 73, and there's a good chance and a good possibility they may get. I don't think they do. But we'll see. I mean, because you've got to really, really play at a big-time pace. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, 91% winning percentage. Jeez. 
That's crazy. And you have to play like that pretty much for the rest of the year. That's difficult. That is very difficult. But we'll see if there's a team that can do it. It is the Golden State Warriors. We're going to bring in a guy now who did big things and unbreak my heart, the Tony Braxton story. You saw it on Lifetime. It did big-time numbers last week. And we're going to bring in a guy who's a big part of that. Let's bring him in now, one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, which aired on Lifetime, the Tony Braxton story. Let's bring him in, actor Greg Davis Jr. Greg, how are you, man? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Of course. I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Thanks for having me. Let's get right down to it. Let's let's start with a little sports now. Super Bowl 50 coming up Mm -hmm. next week. Broncos, Panthers. Probably the last hurrah for Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. You got Cam putting up big-time mm-hmm. numbers, doing big-time things for the Carolina Panthers. End mm-hmm. of the day, who gets it done? Cam, man. You got to go with Cam. Cam's a winner. Uh, this, this Watching him play this season is like watching a repeat of his 2009 season at Auburn. I mean, you know, the, the, he literally played out of his mind. No one could stop him. He was in his zone. I think Cam gets it done. I, you know, I know this is probably Peyton's last hurrah, but if you look at Cam's numbers this year, I mean, this is clearly an MVP year, and and Cam's just a winner, man. He just gets it done, and I, I'm I'm taking Cam and the Panthers all the way Super Bowl fifty. So, there's no possible way that Denver Bronco defense, number one defense in football, a defense that gets after the quarterback, they got a big time secondary. There's no mm-hmm. way that defense can stand up. Uh, next Sunday at Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. No way. I mean, there's a way, but here's the thing. The Panthers also have a defense, and I don't think that Peyton's going to be able to get away from them. I just don't I just don't believe it. I mean, here you have two prolific defenses, but then you, then when you when they always say when you have two teams of great defense, then what you look at next, you got to look at the offenses. And as far as the offense is concerned, I got my money on Cam. When you've got a defense that can get after the quarterback, like the Denver Broncos, Cam can get out of those situations. When you have a defense like the Panthers, when you got Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis and all the, the linemen, Cam can get a, you know those Peyton cannot get away from those guys, and you know I don't think he's going to be able to throw his way out of the situation. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Panthers and Cam. Do you think Peyton should retire? I think he should. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? It's hard, man, because you know it looks like he's slowing down. I don't think he's the same Peyton of old. It's not really an age thing. It's more of his body because, you know, Brady's only a year younger, and Brady doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I think think Peyton, before he tarnishes his brand, you know, this may be – he may be want to consider this maybe his his last rodeo, you know, um, because I just – you know, he's not looking like the same Peyton Manning of old, and you want to remember somebody, you know, when they're in their prime as opposed to just one too many seasons like a Brett Favre situation, and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh, I, lo- I love Peyton. Peyton. It's funny he's turned into a game manager at this point. I mean, what seventeen for thirty-two, about one hundred and sixty-eight yards last week. I mean, it, that's exactly. not that's not the Peyton Manning that we all known and love over the years. So to your point, it's probably a good time for him to to get going, get on out, get on out. Yeah, maybe he can yeah. go out on the high. We'll see. We'll see if he can go out on the high. But I, I, I'm with yeah. you. I don't, I don't, I mean, only way, only way 
they can possibly win. That defense has to duplicate what they did last week against Brady. And their running game, they have to be able to run the football because at this point you have to protect Peyton Manning. He's just, like you said, he's not that same guy. He's not the same guy that he once was. So, I mean, that's the only way I can see it. I mean, or like a high turnover game where, you know, maybe Cam is off or, you know, maybe that defense is creating a whole bunch of turnovers. But I I can't see it. I can't see it. But we'll see. I mean, that's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. (laughs) <laughs> Any given Sunday, sure. right? <laughs> no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I know mm-hmm. you're a big Miami Hurricanes fan, and I know mm-hmm. you love the Canes. And last year was a rough year. That Clemson beatdown, I mean, that was a beatdown to to uh, to remember. But uh, anyway, yeah. Mark <laughs> is there. You're excited? You're excited about the possibilities with the Canes? Yeah, man. You know, um yeah, I, I am. You know, at first, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. You know, I got a lot of friends who are Canes fans. I got a lot of, I got a, you know, a couple friends that are former Canes players, and we all talked about it. And uh, I think, like anybody, man, we wanted Butch to come back. I think that was like the most uh, okay. lo- logical or the most uh, desirable hire. I think, given that he was the last guy to kind of take us out of the the embarrassment or the shadows of, you know, the dark days and kind of bring us back and just kind of just incorporate all that amazing talent that the NFL came to know in the last 10 years mm-hmm. uh, or so. But um, when they didn't, and it was Mark Rick, you know, at first I was like, what? Why? I don't understand. Like, Butch was right there, and Butch was vocal about saying I want to come back. And at first I wasn't excited because, you know, I mean, Mark Rick is a great coach, but and even the last couple of years, you know, they start off hot, and then Georgia always kind of just sizzles out. And, you know, one of my good friends who played at Miami, he was like, listen, sometimes things get stale. He's been there for 15 years, and he's in the SEC. And I was like, yeah, but other teams get it done in the SEC. But he's like, but now when I, you know, he's like, well, bro, he's like, broski, look, listen, you know, Mark Rick, his record overall was with 145 and like 45, which is, you know, 100 wins above 500. Um, great recruits, you know, put out players like A.J. Green, and, you know, uh, of course, what's uh, the running back, um, the, the rookie, oh, God, John Burke. Yeah, okay. Todd Gurley, you know, uh, you know that, that one year when they were like a couple seconds away from mismanaging the clock against Alabama in the NCAA championship or possibly going to the, to the national championship. I mean, Mark Rick, there's no doubt about it, is a great coach. He's a Miami guy. He's a former quarterback. You know, he's got that fire. He understands what it means to be a Kane. So after I got over being disappointed about Bush not being hired, I am excited because he knows how to recruit. And I think that with an SEC coach, sometimes you get a fresh start. And with him coming to the ACC, you know, with the talent that we naturally have and with the kind of coach that he has, I think he can turn us around. So I am excited. I mean, anything's better than what we had last year with, with, with uh, Al Golden. My God, I mean, I, listen, it's just, it can only go up from here. So, uh, yeah. But I, I will say this, Al Golden did a good job with my Temple Al. So, you know, I got love, nothing but love for Al Golden. But I can understand you not having much love for him. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> we're, we're talking to one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, the Tony Braxton story actor, Greg Davis Jr., and, Greg, let's get to the movie. I mean, 3.6 million people watched it, watched yeah. you play L.A. Reid, watched the movie. Yeah. It was a ratings hit, Lifetime's yeah. highest-rated debut since last year. How do yeah. those numbers make you feel, man? It honestly it makes me feel great. I'm not going to lie, man. And, you know, at first, you know, 
um, it, it was a little nerve wracking, especially when it came down to it, because uh, you know, yeah, um, you know, they can be criticized sometimes for you know prior biopics in the past, and a lot of people have a lot of things to say about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody just hopes and prays that this one's done right, it comes out right. But the team that they have behind it, the producers, the directors, the actors, even the cast and people that they have behind it, you know, this is the most money they put into a, an original movie. Um, I think they really wanted this one to win. And knowing the work that we put in on set, knowing the hard work that I, myself, and everyone else that was a part of the cast put in, especially Lex, you know, who played Tony, obviously. Um, knowing the work that we put in, everybody really cared. And seeing it come out the way it did and people actually receiving it well um, and, and the numbers that it got, you know, considering the history of all the biopics and, and, you know, to be the highest number one original movie in the last year, that feels great. And, you know, the Internet was a, was a tell, man. You know, you go on Twitter and Instagram these days, that tells you if you have a flop or not or a bad movie. And, you know, the Internet, you know, uh, gave us a lot of love. So, you know, it felt good to know that we worked hard and put out um, a successful product that people embraced. And conversely, if I remember the Aaliyah story, the Internet really wasn't too kind to that particular story. So, I mean, yeah, this, this definitely was much be- you know, done much better than that particular story. But it is what it is. Let, let me ask you this. Yeah. You, you played L.A. Reid. Uh, uh-huh. Talk about the preparation playing L.A. Reid. Yeah, so the preparation, um, I have a, uh, one of my best friends. He's like my brother, actually. He's a, he's a music producer. Um, in the business, you know, he works with a lot of top artists. You know, he works closely. He's met L.A. Reid, you know, plenty of meetings with him. And, um, I tried to get a meeting with L.A. Reid through several friends that I have. Uh, at the time, I was still living in Los Angeles, and he was in New York, so it was kind of hard. Plus, you know, the man doesn't know him. He never met me, so it was kind of hard to just, you know, hey, hey, say, hey, can I get a meeting? Uh, but so since I wasn't able to get a meeting, what I did was I just asked everybody that I knew who knew him kind of like how he was, I went online and I watched a ton, a ton, a ton of interviews um, with him in it. I found so so much footage back dating from 1991 when it was him and Babyface in an interview when he so had the high top, five heartbeat, like, you know, uh, activator perm, (laughs) the high top. Um, You know, I found interviews of him and Tony and Babyface in the studio. So to kind of capture that era, um, I watched interviews of other artists that he signed, and I watched how they spoke about him, so their point of view about him to see how he was. And then um, I also, my friend, um, you know, had to relate or had a relationship with his son. And so I asked her to ask his son, you know, some personal questions, and, you know, he gave her some insight for me. So I kind of did my research that way as well. And then the last last thing is, Tony was on set, obviously, you know, the real Tony Braxton, and she, I would ask her every scene that I was in, I would say, how was he in this scene? What was your interaction with him? How was he? Blah, blah, blah. And she would tell me, along with Maria, the hairstylist who was around since back in those days, too. So I just kind of collectively gathered all that information, and I, you know, formulated my uh, interpretation of it. You know a lot of people, man. You, you know a lot of people, I see. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. You said Tony Braxton was on set. How much and how often was she on set? Well, I mean, especially with the pre-production, she was there every day. Uh, when it actually came down to filming, she, you know, she was still performing and doing shows. So 
our first day of filming, you know, she left, but she came back towards the end, obviously, because she was in the film, you know, at the end when they, when they transitioned to the real Tony. But every day for pre-production, for two weeks, a little over two weeks straight, she was there. And every cast okay. reading, every table reading, every rehearsal for the girls, you know, she was there. She was very hands-on. And she was so nice about it. She was very forthcoming with information. She was real. She was, she was, she was real, you know. Um, so she was very helpful personally, I know to me and I know to everybody else, but she definitely helped me get insight. And uh, she actually made a comment to me at one of our table reads. She goes, uh, she, you know, after we were done, she looked at me in front of everybody. She goes, I don't know what you did or what you're doing, but you are nailing him exactly. She goes, I had to stop myself because for two seconds I thought L.A. was here and I realized it was you, so good job. And, okay, I, you know, I right. took that as a, a compliment, you know. I was like, okay, cool, so I'm doing it justice so far. For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, the Tony Braxton story, actor Greg Davis Jr. And, and let me ask you this: Do, do you do you have or uh, a favorite Tony Braxton song? Oh yeah, I mean Unbreak My Heart. I mean that's so cliche to say, given the title of the film. But I mean right. Unbreak My Heart is is the biggest. Uh, you know, that's the, it's just that's like her. You know, my heart will go on, my Celine Dion. I mean, Unbreak My Heart it was was a song to this day, you know, people still sing that one. That was probably my fam- uh, favorite one. Okay, so that that was your favorite. Alright. Yeah. I, I I was more of a fan of uh I was a big fan of Breathe Again. Um, Breathe Again was good. Breathe Again was also very good. Yeah, you're right. I mean you know, Breathe Again was good. Breathe I remember I remember I was a kid and I will and I shall never breathe again, you know. It, it, he wasn't man enough for me always mess with me being as a man because I was always feeling like, what you talking to? You know? <laughs> I was like, I always felt the way about that one. He wasn't man enough for me. Like, yes, I am, uh, Tony. I am all a man, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, So you, yeah, you had your chance. Good. You had your chance on set to prove how much of a man you were. I, I, listen, I did, but, man, listen, I was, you know, hey, look, I tried to be professional. I was like, you know, let me not try to okay. holler at Tony. <laughs> you, you, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. I did. I did. I did. I didn't want to get clowned maybe on social media. Time. Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> Let me ask you this now. And you know, obviously, Tony Braxton's big time celebrity, big time uh, singer. You, you see a lot of her life on TV. But what what is one thing that you found out or learned about Tony that you did not know before this movie? Um, you know, Tony, Tony, Tony is a, is a, is a round the way girl, man. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean around the way, like, you know, you know, she was painted as this, um, this good girl, you know, with this clean image and, you know, she is, but I remember asking her specifically about one of the scenes when, if you remember how she was like, I think I want to go sexy and LA Reed's response was like, you don't sell sex, you sell pain. And she told me when I had, you know, when I asked her about that scene, she was like, no, because everybody thinks like L.A. Reid was the one that sexified her and made her cut her hair and start wearing all these short skirts and yada, yada, yada. And Tony was the one that was like, no, I want to sing about sex. I want dudes to want to want me, is what she told me. And she goes, I wanted to wear the short skirts. Like, I wanted dudes to want me. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, she bluntly was straight up was like, I want dudes to want me. And, you know, and, and you know, just the, the way I can put it on, you know, on the show. But, uh, yeah, and, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, uh, Tony Braxton, 
you know, so that was the one thing that I, you know, that I learned from being around her. But I mean, just nice, man. It's sweet. Like, you know, nothing at all that any public perception would have of a, such an iconic, you know, R&B star. Uh, just nice and humble and just, you know, very forthcoming and helpful, man, was my experience with Tony. Now, I know you you weren't able to holler at Tony Braxton, but you should have <laughs> hollered maybe at Lex Scott Davis. I mean, she played that Tony Braxton role very well, and she kind of looks like her, too. I mean, that, that – Yeah. So, yeah, she, she yeah. did a great job. No, Lex was incredible. Uh, Lex impressed me. You know, I, I had a – I had no prior knowledge of her talent or anything like that. It's funny. We have a mutual friend who, uh, who I do a lot you know of. Like, I know, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Living in Hollywood will do that for you. <laughs> but, um, uh, we have a mutual friend who you know I do a lot of like my social media buying and all that stuff with. And um, uh, I had seen her without knowing who it was in one of his videos, I think, on Vine or Instagram one time. And so when I got the role, I told a couple of my buddies who were on the group chat. He was like, oh, that's dope. He was like, one of my homegirls just got that part, too. And he told me, I was like, who? He was like, matter of fact, you've seen her in some of my videos. I was like, I did. He gave me her name, and I went and looked her up on Instagram. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the girl that was in some of your vines. You know, he was like, yeah. So um, I, I only had, you know, known of her through that. But when I met her, um, you know, when I met her for the first time, when we were all, you know, on location shooting and, I mean, she was so nice. Now we're like the best of friends. We talk literally every day. We FaceTime like all the time. Um, she's such a talented individual. She's a force to be reckoned with. She's a future star. She's a star now. Um, she's beautiful. She's smart. Um, you know, and it definitely made a lot of my scenes uh, easier to, okay. <laughs> to, to do, having to work alongside her. I wasn't mad at all on, on set those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could holler. Maybe you could holler at her as well for yourself. Hey, you, know, you, know, <laughs> you know, man. Hey, look, look, man. I'm, you know, who knows? Who knows? Right now, knows? right now, <laughs> you know, she's she's my friend. You know, right, right, right. Yeah. You got to focus on your work. You got to focus on I your work, f- man. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We're we're talking to one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, actor Greg yeah. Davis Jr. I, I want to ask you this. Obviously, you did big things in this movie. What else is going on with Greg Davis Jr.? So what else is going on is I have a um, couple more films releasing this year. I shot. Um, I have another film coming out called For All Eyes Always. It's a psychological, excuse me, it's um, a CIA spy dark comedy thriller. It's with Lynn Whitfield, uh, Sean Astin, a bunch of other uh, good character actors that you would probably see if you watch. Like, oh, I know that person, but you may not know my name. Um, but I'm really excited about that one. Um, uh, you know, we're looking at a few, I think the first step is festivals. Uh, we're looking, I think we're hearing back from uh, South by Southwest very soon and going that route. So, uh, you know, I shot that one at the end of last, you know, excuse me, 2014. Um, uh, so I'm excited about that one. I did another film out here in New York, um, last fall that's uh, be released, I think, March 31st, and that was called The Eyes. That's a psychological thriller. So I had a couple films coming out. I'm working on an animated series that's uh, going to release online digitally first, and then there's a couple of networks that are already interested in it. So, you know, when that time comes, you know, hopefully we'll make some more announcements about that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I have a couple of projects. You can, you know, look out for those things. Of course, I'm still doing all the social media stuff and 
And um, yeah, there's a lot of good things coming though for Greg Davis Jr. You, you should, people should, uh, people should stay tuned because it's going to be a lot more coming. All right, all right. So, so fans, make sure you you stay up with some of the great things going on with Greg Davis Jr. Hit him up on Twitter at Clarity. That's K L A R I T Y. Also on Instagram at Clarity as well. And again, that's K L A R. I T Y and support all the great things, all the great things going on with Greg Davis Jr. Greg, pleasure yes. talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Absolutely, I, I'll come back anytime. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Thank you for having me on the show. Likewise, take care. Greg Davis Jr., one of the stars of Unbreak My Heart, the Tony Braxton story. It was a pleasure talking to Greg. We're about to bring in another guy now, doing big things. In Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots, airs each and every Tuesday on OWN, 9 p.m. Eastern on OWN. It's a great show, man. I just recently got into it about a year ago. Me and my wife, every Tuesday, Temptation Tuesday, we watched it. And, and we watched it this week, and, and we saw this man doing some crazy things. We're about to bring him in now. One of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and The Have-Nots, actor John Chafin. Hey, 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 how you doing? How you doing? How are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks for joining us, and let's get right down to it, man. You, you're doing big things on The Haves and The Have-Nots. Last time we saw your character, Warlock, a.k.a. War, he was about to do some bad things to Candace. What's going on with War? <laughs> yeah, War, War's heart is broke, man. He, You know, he, he's in his feelings right now. You know, he found out that Candace lied to him about how much money she got. He, you know, he, he, he's, he thinks that it's $4 million. And uh, he finds out, and she only gave him 150 and so he feels betrayed, you know. And, and there's nothing, you know, worse than a heartbreak, you know. So... I think that's what's, what's happening with War. That's that's what makes him uh, tick. You know, he he really loved Candace, and, and the fact that she broke his heart, you know, he, he's lashing out. So it's, it's going to be good, and it's, it's going to get even crazier. So y'all y'all better, you know, be ready for it. So is it is it more so about you know him breaking his heart than the money when it comes to War and his relationship with Candace? Uh, I think it's more of this the principle, you know. Uh, okay. Candace is somebody that you know he actually trusted. He looked, he looked to uh, her differently than he treated everybody else, you know. And the fact that she just betrayed him is like, you know, that's like somebody that you trust, somebody that you love, somebody that you would do anything for, and then you turn around and find out that they aren't the person that you thought they were. And so right. yeah, it's about money, but more so. Than that, it's about the loyalty and the respect and, and how she played him, you know. And, For sure. And and no doubt about it. And you could tell War was none too happy about what was going down, going down with the situation with Candace. I want to ask you this, man. At the end of the scene, when the scene ended, it seemed like War wanted a little something else from Candace <laughs> at the end of that particular scene. What's up yeah. with that? I mean, I thought Candace was like family to war. Yeah, you know, now he's got to treat her like one of the rest of the chicks out there. You know, she didn't, she didn't lost her, <laughs> her place. 
you know, in his in his uh, in his life. So now he's you know he's back to his old ways, you know, and, uh, and she brought that out of him. So it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it was fun shooting that though. Tiki is great, uh, and, that, and that look she gave at the end was just priceless. <laughs> I was I was cracking up about that. I mean, I, I kind of felt bad for her in that particular situation. You know, I mean, yeah. I know Candace is, you know, she's she's grimy. You know, she she does some dirty things. But, I mean, War was, you know, like her family and everything, and War was about to do her dirty. Well, I don't know dirty. And, we'll I think, and I think that's but, why people still uh, like like Warlock, even though, you know, after after last week's episode uh, or this week's past episode, you know, I still got a lot of, uh, you know, love from the fans. You know, because they understand, you know, why he's doing what he's doing. You know, because of what she right. did, and, and I think that's what uh, that that also helps. Because you know, I'm essentially like taking Chrissy's place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like I'm getting out of her now. She just killed Chrissy. Now she got to deal with me. So she got a lot on her plate right now, Candace. For sure, we're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots. Actor John Chafin, he plays War on that particular show. So let me ask you this now. We we got Benny now. Benny, he, he you know, he trusts War. You know what I mean? He, he, yeah. he feels like War is down for him. He feels like War is going to hold him down. Is it a good idea to trust War? Is it a good idea for Benny to trust War? I, I, I wouldn't say so because War is liable to do anything. He doesn't really care who he hurts at this point. You know, and, right. uh, and I don't want to give away too much you know, right, the right, upcoming right. episodes, but it's definitely going to get interesting between the three of them. Okay, okay. And let me let me let me ask you this about war. You know, as I watch war, you know there there are wars all around. You know, uh, uh, inner cities everywhere. You, that guy, that dude who doesn't have anything to lose, that dude who 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 got so much street in him. You, you feel bad for those type of dudes because those type of dudes have nothing to lose, but you know at the same time. Those are the type of dudes who aren't going anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly like, what you mean. So, so I, I mean, at the same time, and, you know, it's TV. But at the same time, for me personally, it's a little sad to see a dude like Ward. Those, those are the most dangerous dudes, by the way, dudes who have nothing to lose. Those are the dudes that well, yeah, you stay I mean, far, you know, far away from. life. You know, right. art imitates life. You know, and uh, and war. There's there a lot of warlocks out there. You know, in the world. You know, he's, he's like I, I said before. You know, I don't play stereotypes. You know, what I'm saying I play I play people. I play these these characters are, are you know extensions of of what we actually see. So you know, you want to root for him, and you also feel bad for him at the same because you know right. he he's right. not going to do much better than what he is. <laughs> for sure, you know, for sure. You already know where that life and that road leads because we've seen that story so many times. But right. you know, I there's no telling where where Tyler can go with it. You know, he's a mastermind with the pen. So I see, I see. You could tell. I mean, there's there's things that come out of left field, right field, or every field when it comes <laughs> to the haves and the have nots. I oh, mean, yeah. he does a, a a big time job. Uh, let me ask you this now. You, you know, you getting on this show. How much is this done for you as an actor? How much has it done for you in terms of your popularity? Um, I mean, well, for the fans of the show, the people that watch it, you know, it's it's been amazing, you know, just to see the reception that, 
you know, I give for for the character. I mean, when I first started this journey on, on the show, I, I initially thought it would be, you know, one episode, and uh, and it's blossoming to, uh, you know, what it is now. So, you know, everything from here on out, you know, regarding the, the, the have and have nots is like icing on the cake, you know. So it's like it's just great to see the fans and the interaction that they have and how much passion they have for the show and you know, they hit me up on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, I get to interact and respond and it's good, you know, it's it's great because it it makes you feel like, you know, you're you're doing your job. You know, if people if I can make them, you know, question Warlock's methods and everything that I've done my job, you know, and, and it's just great to sit back and and watch the fans react because it's ultimately for them. You know, once we do the right. work, it's it's done. You know, and it's for the it's for the fans. So it's been it's been an amazing, you know, ride and adventure. You know, and I definitely will hold on to this for a long time as far as you know the memories and and everything as I go on and create new ones. You know. Now I know I know you really haven't had a hard time with the ladies, man. But I'm on your Twitter feed now. I'm looking yeah. at it. I'm seeing these retweets after last night. I had to hunt for war. He makes being evil and, and crazy look so sexy. I mean, we got we got people, you know, writing tweets like that to you, man. I mean, you, you're getting a lot of love from the ladies. I see something else. Yup, it's official. John Chapin is my crush. I'm watching him. Hashtag haves and have nots. I mean, you, you're getting a lot of love right now from the ladies. Yeah, yeah, they 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 let the show. I mean, that's the the majority of the audience right there is, is the women. You know, they 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 into it. So that's always nice that you know. So I'm not a. Um, it's it's always you know a little awkward when you know you get compliments and stuff like that. So you know I kind of smile and say thank you and you know, but it's nice. But you know, I I don't really uh, I I know that they just. The fans, you know, and they really do like the show, and they really do like the character, and they, and the fact that we we're able to use Twitter to, to, uh, you know, communicate and, and be there with them, you know, they get a, a face to, well, not a face to face, but they get to interact with us, you know. I think that's that's a part of the allure, and that's what makes it great. So, you know, I, I, I welcome it, but I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't read too much into it, you know, as far as the. You know the ladies and stuff. You know I got I got my lady and um and we we good we happy so. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's what's up. <laughs> We're talking one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots. Actor John Chafin. And so you you said it's going to get very interesting moving forward for War. And just in terms of the show, without obviously giving it away, how crazy is it going to get? Uh, as we go throughout the course of this season, it's, uh, it's let's say we go, we, we turn it all the way up. You know, what I'm okay. this is like just the the beginning, like you know, the first part of the ride or the roller coaster where you're kind of going up and everything looks all good, and you know, you you realize that you're getting a little bit higher, but it's, it's not, it's cool, you know. But then. The, you know the ride drops and now it's it's going full steam ahead. So, you know we we're only three episodes in, and you know it's it's about to really turn up and get even more crazy. Especially with my character, there's some more characters that are being introduced onto the show. So uh, it's just the storylines are just going all over the place, and it's just it's going to be a fun ride. I think this is the best season that the have-nots is going to have, you know, thus far. I think that we're going to top 
all the previous seasons that we've had before. Because this, this, this one is definitely definitely going to be crazy. Now, you don't have to tell me this, but I, for some reason, I'm getting the sense that war is going to get knocked off after this season. I hope not. I want to see you. Eat. I want to see you. I want. I want to see you be on set. I want to see you do big things, man. But I don't know. People like War don't tend to stick around very long. But look at Quincy, man. Quincy, dude, survived car crashes and stabbings and all this other craziness. So you know, like you said, maybe War becomes the new Quincy now. I, I, I like your character, man. I, I really, really like your character. It's just something about that character that I like. I mean. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the way you described it in terms of, you know, you you you, you like the guy, you feel sorry for the guy, all at the same time. I don't, I don't know, man. I really like your character. You're doing big things, so you know, keep I it up. But anyway, how, how did this opportunity come out come about for you? Because I know you said this was only going to be a one-time thing. So how did this one-time thing come about for you, and how did you keep it going? Uh, well, just like any, you know, regular story, I got the audition uh, from my agent, and I put it on tape, you know, and I taped it in my apartment, sent it in. You know, they liked it, and they had me come in for a callback, you know, and Mr. Perry was there and everybody, and, you know, we did it, uh, uh, the, the callback, and, and they let us know the same day. And like I said, I thought it was going to be, you know, one episode. That's originally what it was. You know, I, the character came on, I think it was like, like either – an episode before or the season finale, so it was like right right at the end of the season, you know, when 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 my character is introduced, and and so I didn't expect uh, it to be more than what it was, you know. I just went in there with the expectation to just, you know, uh, to do my job, you know, to to live truthfully in these imaginary circumstances and, and to play, and by doing that, that's you know brought me to this point where I'm at now and I'm like 20 plus episodes in so it's 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 just doing the work you know and, and it's like I, I didn't go in there with any certain type of expectation on how it should be or how it should go I just you know trusted the process did my part and left the rest up to God and, and when you do it like that then you know good things like these happens you know when you see successful uh, actors or people who are being successful in their, in uh, you know, profession, you know, it's always the good things that you see. You don't see the behind the scenes when, you know, right. the rejection or the, the letdowns or the failures. You only see the successes. So it's, you know, when I initially got this opportunity, I viewed it as just that, an opportunity. And then right. when they got the call back, I was like, oh, okay. And then I found out that uh, the Tyler was going to be there and the producers. I was like, okay, well, this is another opportunity, you know. Right. And it's like if I don't get this job, at least I can do so well that I make them remember me and bring me back For again, sure. you know. And it just so happened that, you know, the, the stars aligned and this job was, was for me. And, you know, the rest is, as they say, history. Let me ask you this, you know, how close – in terms of we got war, we got John Chafin. How similar or di- or different are you to Warlock? Or uh, talk about some of the similarities, some of the differences. Uh, the Warlock is pretty much a, a 360 from from who I am, but okay. I do have the same loyalty uh, tendencies as as Warlock does. You know, I, I'm a very loyal okay. person. I 
I, you know, I believe in, you know, treating people, you know, the way I want to be treated. So, you know, I, I'm big on respect, you know, I shake people's, you know, hands firmly and I look a man in his eyes, you know, that's just a, okay. that's how I am, you know, and I, and I feel that's how, how Warlock is. He has a set of values, you know, now, don't get me wrong, he, he'll go total left field and get crazy because he can, but, you know, what you're seeing between him and Candace is, a breaking of those values that he lives by. She broke right. that code. And so, uh, and that's what happens. That's the side. Now, the, the bad side, um, that's not me. You know, I'm I'm not a violent person. I, you know, I'm, I don't, okay. you know, hit on women or disrespect them or anything like right, that, right. you know. Um, but, you know, when I talk about Warlock and myself, I just say that, you know, he's a he's a possibility of me. You know, okay. I'm, I'm right. pretty much you know, just living in uh, in, the, in his shoes, you know. So basically okay. it's like if this was my life, this is how I would be, <laughs> right. you know. You have so, totally you different know, gonna, upbringings before lot, so. I'm going to write this down so and, and put it in my memory. I'm going to make sure to never cross you because I see the possibilities. I see some of the things that you might be able to to do. So I'm going to write this There's down. There's a little bit of warlock in everybody. Everybody has a, we're all human, <laughs> so we're all capable of the same thing. You know, we're okay. all capable all right. of, 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 you know, going off the edge. You know, all right, just, all right. Yeah. Don't, do, don't pull your zipper down, though, man. Keep your zipper up. No, no, that'll stay up. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Obviously, you're doing big things with the haves and the have-nots. What else is going on with actor John Chaffin? Uh, I'm actually writing, man. What a lot of people don't know is I'm also a writer. And uh, okay. I'm actually in the lab right now working on uh, screenplays that I've been writing. So, um, you know, be definitely on my Nate Parker journey. <laughs> you know, I think what that man did is amazing, you know. To, to write, produce, direct, and, and star in his own film and then have it to be the highest sold film in the Sundance Festival history is, is an amazing. And um, so I'm in a very creative space right now. I've been ro- working on these scripts for a little while now, and, and so that's where I'm at. I'm always trying to stay in a creative, you know, space, you know, even even when, you know, I'm not – I'm always doing something. I'm not just sitting around, you know. Right. Let me yeah. ask you this now. So, so from the moment you started the haves and the have-nots till now, how much do you feel like you've grown as an actor being around the Tyler Perry, being around some of the other castmates? How much do you feel like you've grown as an actor? I, I feel like I've grown. I've, I've taken leaps, and I'm, when I mean leaps, I'm talking about like 20 steps at a time, you know, ahead. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, just the experience. Being on the set and working with these actors, these professionals, you know, and Tyler is so, I mean, he's like a mad scientist in a lab when he's on set, you know, and you could just see in his eyes that, you know, the the passion that he has, and you feed off of that, you know, And, and the same thing with the other actors, you know what I'm saying, you feed off of that, you know, and so, and then you learn and you pick up things. You know, and you get better with experience. You get you get better and better. So each year, I see, you know, if you go back and, and watch the first time Warlock stepped on the scene to now, you know, you see a progression. You know, um, 
because I've I've grown with the character, you know, and I've grown as an actor while playing this 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 character. So, you know, it's 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 the best learning experience you can have is to be on set, you know, because you're actually in it. You know, you're in the ring. It's like you know, if you're a boxer and you're getting ready for a match, you can simulate with your sparring partner, but until you get in the ring. You don't know what's going to happen, and with that, sure. and after the fight, you're going to be better because you learn. For sure, you know, and it's the same thing with acting, you know. So, so before we get out of here, you know, Super Bowl Fifty is next week. Broncos, Carolina Panthers. Who you like? Yes. Who gets it done? How do you see it? Yeah. I'm from Atlanta. Okay, <laughs> that's that's where I was raised. That's my home. Cam Newton is from Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I have to go with the hometown kid. I can't. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Peggy Manning. He's great. You know, Nationwide is on your side. You know, he's got the <laughs> Papa J. You know, he's everywhere. You know, Peyton is great. He's a legend. He's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. However, there is <laughs> never, and Cam said it, there's never been anybody like him. And I think that he's at a he's at a pinnacle point right now where he's about to, Ascend to the next level, and I, and I think okay. Stephen A. Smith, because I watch uh, ESPN First Take all the time. You know, he said it right. You know, the people are going to want to see Peyton Manning, and as soon as Carolina won, I was like, man, they're going to do something to make sure Peyton Manning get this ring because <laughs> he's going. They they want him to go out. You know, his last game with the ring, like Elway, like you know Ray Lewis and. Jerome right. Bettis, you know, they wanted to put him up there. So it's not going to be easy for Cam, you know, but I think he'll pull it out. I think I think the Panthers will pull it out. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is the year of Cam, and, and I think because of this the year of Cam, I think he gets it done. I, I just can't figure out any type of scenario where the Broncos could win. So, I mean, you know, I don't, we'll see what I happens. I don't know. Because Cam, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Carolina defense is stout. Exactly. You know, don't get me wrong. I know Denver defense is stout too, but they—I mean, they—they they did that against you know Tom Brady. Tom Brady ain't running nowhere. You know, he's right. not scrambling, and they didn't have no offensive line either. You know, them guys are like pretty much put together. They like puzzle pieces, just you know, put together, and they don't even really fit together. You know, but Carolina—that's a whole other piece. <laughs> and, they, and Von Miller's not going to get off. On Cam Newton, the way he got off on Tom Brady, in my opinion. No, I don't, I don't see it either. But you, you know, that's why they play it. the game. It, it, it most definitely should be fun. Uh, fans, make sure you support this man. Hit him up on Twitter at John Chafin. Hit him up on Instagram at John Boy nineteen fourteen. Support Facebook as well. John Chafin uh, too, right? Yes, sir. All right, so yes, sir. I'm you on know Facebook, all the people. John fan. Yeah, I got a fan page. My my regular page is like filled up, you know. So I, I try to tell or direct people to the fan page. You know, I'm on there too. So I'm interactive on all my social media accounts. So so make sure you hit this man up. He'll hit you back, and you know, yep. make sure you pay attention and make sure you watch each and every Tuesday on own 9 p.m. Eastern Temptation Tuesday the haves and the have-nots, and make sure you check out this man, Warlock, actor, John Chafin. John, yes, sir. it was a pleasure, yes. man. Nothing but I the best of luck moving forward. It. Let's do it again. Yes. 
Yes, sir. God bless you, man. I pray that you have nothing but the best, man, and continue success Likewise. to you. Likewise. Take right, care. Brother. You too, man. Actor John Chafin, one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Habs and The Have Nots. I want to thank Lorente McRae of the Denver Broncos for stopping by. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. I want to thank actor John Chafin. I want to thank actor Greg Davis Jr. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com. Flash Game, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at Go For It Can. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. <laughs>